three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of This Is How We Feel, a podcast where we look at a piece of media and tell you how we feel. Today, it is me, Justin Vignes, here with my lovely... Babe. Babe. He will be known as Babe, (laughs) but his real name is Louis for those of you all trying to look for him. And we got... You know it's your boy R. Dizzle on the mic. Ryan Diaz here. All right. So we just got done watching one of my favorite films ever for my birthday weekend, Never Ending Story. Yes, yes, yes. It was great. Um, before we go on to this, to this movie, because we have a lot to talk about, um, we're just going to give Taylor her 30 seconds of the week. Taylor, what you got for us on Taylor's Bachelor Breakdown? Bachelor Breakdown. All right, Taylor, your time starts now. Hashtag Champagne Gate is the hashtag moving into this episode. Hannah Ann called Kelsey a bully. The girls all dress up in lingerie and have a pillow fight. One of the girls calls it lingerie. Victoria P. gets a one-on-one date and they go line dancing. Peter's a snitch and can't keep a secret that any of the girls tells him. Alea, the pageant queen, gets sent home and pulls a Luke P. and seems to return in next week's episode, as well as Chase Rice in a formal, f- a former fling. Yeah, and that, you still have four seconds. Anything you want to say? Bye. That's a time. Wow, Taylor, you fit it all in there. Congrats. Okay, it was a really boring episode, is what she said. Wow. Oh my god, damn! A lot of stuff is happening this week. I might jump into the Bachelor. Every episode, I like it a little more. That yeah. Sh- last week with the champagne thing, that was just too fucking funny. That was great. It gave us a nice little uh, screenshot for our video. Just a little taste. Yeah. Yeah. Today was yeah, extra go juicy. Back, go back and watch episode three's video again and, and look at the actual YouTube screen when we get to the Bachelor breakdown because there is a GIF in there. Well, a picture of the champagne girl getting messed up. Yeah, it was definitely worth the the, the watch. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about the never-ending story today. It's never-ending story. I was trying to get them to guess where this uh, film was uh, located and filmed at. So Ryan gave his final answer as, uh, what did you say, Ryan? I said for the desert scenes and the beach scene, I said Italy or Spain. And Babe's answer to the beach and desert scenes. Mine was Egypt. All right. Well, I am sorry to give this to you, Babe, but it was Spain. Uh san jose oh, no! spain filmed at monso yes. beach <laughs> the desert, too. <clears throat> the desert as well i guess they got deserts i had wow. no idea <laughs> so here's what i did i went onto like a european like topography map that's not like, even fair because i didn't even look at anything <laughs> well he did ask in the middle of the movie he was like can i look at the world map and i was like it, yeah you can know what our world yeah. looks like and so i just wanted that. to see if they had both desert and because i know that this was shot in shot in europe like i i there's no there's 100 percent, dude yeah, you were screaming that this was a european film <laughs> all right so then the uh real scenes like the streets and the school your answer ryan was canada and i was shouting it the entire time it just looks canadian there's no american vibes there and then babe what do you That's, think yeah i can i can concur he's gonna double down on canada the school and street shots were shot in Vancouver, Canada. Oh my, oh my god, we got it! Yeah, good job. You were really adamant too. I was so proud. For a second, when you said Vancouver, I was like, oh my, "Is it Vancouver, Washington?" Because I'll kill myself. But <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got Maybe that you one. Um, and then the rest of the film was shot in Bavaria Studios in Munich. Wait, 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 wait. Germany. 
Is that Germany? Ja, 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 oh, Germany. Germany. What did you guess, okay. Ryan? I think I, I I think I locked in Germany at one point, but I think my final was like Switzerland. Oh no, your final was Switzerland or, or Germany. That was your second oh, choice. Okay, good. Then I did yeah. lock it in. So you oh did my God, half I'm good get for that three. One. Wow. wow. Um, okay, I'll say I'm two and a half for three. Yeah, two and a half. Because did you get Spain? No, that was your second one too. Wow, you did great. And Babe's answer well, was mine was either Sweden or Switzerland. Yeah, understandable. They do have a lot of mountains. There were a lot of like snow-capped mountains. I did yeah. not know they had that in Germany. And then the giant pond, lake. Yeah, it's just so pretty. Yeah, I guess they're in Epcot, Orlando. What is the place um, that the Anna and Elsa ride is at now? That used to be that troll ride. That's in Norway. Yeah, that's yeah. what th- this had very this had very Norway themes, and I was leaning Norwegian one hundred percent the entire time. Yeah, especially with like the mountain ranges and stuff like that. Now that I know that it's German, it still kind of works. I mean, they also have very big troll things going on. I guess you know what I mean. So yeah, I think I'm with I think it. Germans have a bunch of like troll mythology in their shit. It's a it's like a Dutch cap. You know what I mean? It's like it's all it's encompassing of all those kind of European countries. Yeah, like the Eastern European vibe. Because Babe was asking during the movie, like, is there like any obvious references in here? Yeah. And I would say the trolls, like the rock trolls specifically, are the German like reference. But I wasn't sure right. exactly, so I wouldn't want to be like, yes, yeah, so oh, oh, of course, it's all over the place. And then you're thinking that like the dragon is part of it or something like that. Yeah, yeah it seemed like they were pulling from a lot of different places from the lore. I want to say some of the people that were in the the ivory temple or whatever that thing is called the mm-hmm. giant um flower thing at the top um i want to say some of those people were also like monsters or like lore from those kind of mythology from like the um german mythology yeah so. i wouldn't be surprised like all those like multi-faced guys and like the huge yeah or like guys. that dude that's like a head yeah exactly a head on a pillar that's just like walking around can't get upstairs that type of thing i feel like that might be german too but i i, I have no basis for that i'm just guessing Yeah, exactly. So um, this was originally a novel published in 79 by a German writer, Michael End, who was a very famous writer whose works has been uh, sold more than 35 million copies, translated into more than 40 languages. He doesn't really have any known things for like Americans. That's like super mainstream. All of his books are German. Lots of like unrecognizable titles. Um, But it wasn't translated into English until four years later in 1983. By Ralph Man- Manheim. Didn't this movie come out like a year after that? Yeah. One year. Yeah, good, good. Um, Damn. filming like at that time. So yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. They that, that's it up fast. That's the whole reason I knew this couldn't be an American movie because they like they they they're so like it look like it, it you can tell that it's like okay they they wanted this to be for two audiences and they split it between the puppets and the actors. So, like, they probably had a German cast and an American, or a, a German cast and, like, an, an English-speaking cast. Right, yeah. That was yeah. a good cast. You were screaming this was in a different language. Because it's it's obvious. Like, they, like the puppet mouths are, like, the puppet moving mouths are, like, very um, vague. Like, they, you can fill in a lot of stuff as far as the voiceovers go. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a lot of the, I feel like a lot of the actors they used didn't seem... Um, I don't know. I don't want to say like like American, but they don't they don't seem they seem a little bit more foreign than than uh, we're used to in our own Hollywood cinema. Is I guess is a good way to put is it. Is George Lucas American? Yes, but he but he only him. pulls from British pools of That's of what I'm actors. Saying. And I yeah. don't know this, that style is very like not from like where we're at. <laughs> for for the prequels, I want to say he did that mostly because he was in New Zealand for most of the shoots, but also because he wanted it to be like a like a Renaissance like a, feel, right? Yeah, Renaissance feel. So and you want you want to get classical Shakespearean actors for that, and a lot of those are British. 
It was translated by Ralph Mannheim, who was a German translator who re- first reached his early fame in translating by translating the famous Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. Ooh, shit. Yeah, so... That's uh, ballsy. We you know what? That's a, yeah. that's a good... Um, that's a good way to quantify this movie because that means that that dude has been working maybe 30, 40 years, and that means barely 30, 40 years before this movie came out, Hitler was around. Yeah, that really tells you about the like the time and everything. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that has to do with like the over impending doom of this movie yeah. the theme of like everything's gonna fucking end yeah i feel you so yeah like you called it um it was just uh one year later that it was directed and released as a film in 1984 directed and co-written by wolfgang peterson a german film director producer and screenwriter this was mm. his first english english language film sorry all his previous movies were in german so it was just a purely english shot film Yes, it was purely English when it was shot, but almost everybody working on the movie was German or other other uh, European influences. Okay, okay. He had just came off of his first huge success called Das Boot, a World War II <laughs> submarine warfare, warfare film, which was nominated for two Academy Awards. Das Boot. So Isn't that going what they st- call the, the boot that you drink beer out of? And, oh my and, God, uh, yes, the giant glass boot. <laughs> yeah, that's the Das Boot. <laughs> Glass boot from where? I don't know. I from a there's a um a beer fest movie or something. Oh, where, uh, this team of uh, yeah yeah, but these like group of guys, um, <clears throat> it's like all the guys from Super Troopers, uh-huh. and they like drink a bunch that. of beer. You never seen Super Troopers? No, no, I never seen that. Am I thinking of the right movie? Super Troopers? Is it like one or two? Like there's more than one of those. You're talking about Oktoberfest? There's definitely more uh, that's than one the... Super Trooper, but I remember the, the Oktoberfest movie when it came out, but I never saw it. It was a whole movie about drinking beer, and I was like a teenager. Yeah, and, the, and, and there's a scene in that movie where they talk about Das Boot. Like, there's like a whole theme, and Das uh-huh. Boot is like the last challenge, and like to drink Das Boot right, uh-huh. you have to tilt the boot in, in the right direction, or else the air bubble will come and pop in your face. I like that. I like that you guys knew about that, because like, I just like figured it was a... actual boot in there? Because I've seen, like, a glass boot that's called Das Boot, and I think the same... No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a glass boot. Years. Yeah. It's probably, like, a phrase, and then they, like, just turned it literal, like, into a boot eventually afterwards. I see what you're saying. So, Das Boot in German probably means something war-related, but Das Boot as a joke is the boot. Yeah, and you said something about the last stand, so I, that's probably what it means. Like, Das Boot is the last stand of World War II, because it's a whole warfare film about World War II. Well, I don't want to give um, Oktoberfest that much credit for thinking that far ahead, but I, that sounds right. That's good. But yeah, it's thematically uh, appropriate. <laughs> so after that. this, Wolfgang Peterson went on to make many famous um, films. Um, first one was Enemy Line, starring Dennis Quaid. In the oh, line. I love Dennis Quaid. Okay, I thought you were gonna recognize the, the movie Enemy Line. Enemy Mine. I've never seen Enemy Lines, but I love Dennis Quaid. I know Dennis Quaid. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows Dennis Quaid. We got In the Line of Fire. No. no. I don't know uh, old movies, movies, so I'm going to pause after each one just to make sure you guys don't know, uh, do know or Does anything. He, is, but is it just war movies that he's part of? Like It's very no, themed. Jaws. You can Once I get to the end of the list, you'll see his his style. Like Jaws, like, wait, okay. This is the director, oh, Wolfgang Peterson. All right, rattle him. Dennis Quaid was in a lot of his movies, though. So, In the Line of Fire, 1993, starring Clint Eastwood, John Malkovich, uh, Rene Russo. Next one he did was Outbreak, which has an outbreak of fucking stars. Dennis Hoffman, Rene Russo, Morgan Freeman, Cuba Gooding Jr., Kevin Spacey, Donald Sutherland, and Patrick Dempsey. Okay. Wow. Air Force One. You guys heard of that one? Air Force One. 97, starring Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, Glenn Close. Oh. 
And then The Perfect Fucking Storm, 2000, starring George Clooney, Mark oh. Wahlberg, John C. Riley. I didn't see that either. Okay. Oh, that was one of my movies growing up. We got to watch that one. <laughs> That's a good, like, disaster movie to watch. It's we need to watch ridiculous. Twister is definitely going to be part that's of That's a good disaster movie, the too. The disaster movie, yeah. We should make a whole other list of disaster movie Shouldn't be called Twisters? There's more than one Twister, right? In the movie? Yeah. Or is it just the one Twister? It's called Twister. But there's only one Twister, or it's like multiple all it's over the multiple. place? It's like, I mean, it's throughout the whole movie. There's like different like events where there's a Twister. Oh. Yeah, they should call it Twisters. The <laughs> sequel. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just came up with a, I just came up with another podcast idea that we should get somebody to do. What? And it's like all disaster movies. Including oh, Sharknado. yes. There's Every too many disaster, disaster movies, movie. and they're all so bad that like you could talk for hours yeah. about it. We just watched The Day After Tomorrow yeah. the other day. We watched it on New Year's Eve. Oh, that's wild. What'd you watch? The, the Day After Tomorrow. Oh, my God. That Isn't movie that the most is appropriate a... movie <laughs> to watch on New Year's so Eve? so wild. That movie is the hottest mess of success I've it ever seen in my life. wild. I was screaming. I the love ending, that movie. Not to spoil it, because I know so we're going to do it for the pod, but like the ending was so ridiculous. Yeah, I, I love that movie theaters. so much that I hate it. That theater was so packed that we were sitting on the floor. You like, watched wait, a lot of movies what? in theaters. Yeah, you watched A Day After Tomorrow in theaters? Right? Yeah. It was and like, then, furthermore, that movie was so packed, you had to sit on the floor? Yeah, that's when I. That was a long time ago when I used to live in Puerto Rico. And there was <laughs> oh, okay, like. Well, did you watch it in Spanish? It was in Spanish. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was okay. in Spanish, too. No, it wasn't. No. It wasn't. <laughs> oh. There were a lot of movies that I saw in Spanish because other people would want to watch in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of like kids' shows where I'll know the theme song and he'll know the Spanish theme song, yeah, like Dragon well, Tales. Oh, my God. Yeah. What's the Dragon Tales Spanish theme song? <laughs> Please give it to me. I'll sing the English one real me. quick. Is this what we're doing dragon now? Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales. It's Oraja de Dragon Tales. Ven aquí, sígueme a la tierra de Drago. Wow. So they're saying the same thing, and it still I mean, somehow rhymes. It's funny because it's Dragon Tales, but I mean, we say dragones, like it's dragon, so it's basically dragon, but it's tales, like, but those tales in Spanish. Do you say the word tails in like, there? Or no? I feel like that's how they say it. I don't remember now, but wow. I always remember it being like that. At least it's the same melody where we're like, we can connect on like yeah. how to sing it, just yeah. like different words. I mean, there's a lot of Spanish songs that, or a lot of English songs that were translated into Spanish. Like if you listen to uh, Christina Aguilera, right. like she has a lot of songs or several songs that she <laughs> what? Up, like alter- Yeah, she has, like Genie in a Bottle has like a Spanish version. It's called Genio Atrapado. Yeah, and then, you know some of the lyrics <laughs> change here and there. <laughs> Is she Spanish? She oh I don't I know she she's something. Aguilera sounds like Aguilar, which Aguilera. is which is a an eagle, right? I don't know. That's but the whole point of Aguilar is a is a eagle. Yeah, Aguilar. The whole point to me of Christina Aguilera's music though is to hear Christina Aguilera sing. So if someone's translating it and singing it for her, I don't want that. But she no, she herself did. It's her sing. singing it. Okay, yeah. that's good. So that's like Lokesh. There's a, you know the song "Come On Over." She sings in Spanish. Come too. on over, come on ben over, baby. <laughs> oh, it fits. <laughs> I like that. So the real question is: Does she speak Spanish and she's just trying to like you know get her Spanish bitches involved, or is she not Spanish and she's just trying to branch out? She's from Staten Island, Staten Island, New York. Mm. But like, mm. where are her parents? Yeah, maybe she's like Latin by heritage, but like not by like directly. Look at soy. But we can go back to the never ending story. But yeah, okay, so finishing that tangent on Christina Aguilera, we love her so much. If you're listening, Christina, we love you. Um after the Thank perfect fucking her. storm, 
uh, Peterson, what was his name? Wolfgang Peterson made Troy, 2004, starring mm. Brad Pitt, Orlando Bloom, Sean Bean. Mm. Yes. Okay. And then the last credit, Poseidon, 2006, oh, Kurt Russell, wow. Emmy Rossum. Wow. Yeah. So, so just been, looking at all these, you can kind of see that they're very serious, war-themed films. Lots of action going on. Has he since passed away? Who? Wolfgang Peterson? Has he, yeah, has <gasps> he since passed away? I want to say no, but now I have to look it up because I don't have anything specifically about that. <laughs> it's 2020 and his last film was in 2006. I feel like he might have been running out of money by now making another movie. Wolfgang Peterson is not dead, guys. He's still kicking. Oh, thank God. But ever since 2006 Poseidon, he's only made German films. He's gone oh. back to his German Poseidon, roots. Poseidon, the boat. Yeah, the boat one. Yeah, where the whole boat flips over. Wow, Fergie was in that. No, she wasn't. She, yes, she was. Christ. She was the lounge singer. Oh God. Oh, well, but like in the <laughs> beginning, when everything was good, did she like continue to be one of the survivors? Did everyone else survive? I don't think so. I think it was just that little group left like three people. Yeah, I was wondering if Fergie was in the group, but like, was she no. a main actor? No, okay, she was. She cool. Was, I think everyone in that lounge was done. Gotcha. <laughs> no speaking lines for Fergie, unless there was like a portal somehow but <laughs> why oh. did even get her to see oh, are we making the sequel now mm. no yeah no thank you don't want to see story. fergie in a movie no <laughs> we were just watching that video of the national anthem Shh. oh my god <laughs> he <laughs> yes, shushed me proof. Throw yeah, the- yeah 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 I hate her so like, much she tried it was a terrible it was a terrible moment you know you said she tried she definitely did try yeah. she committed i didn't see none of I didn't see none of that happen on stage. Oh, I saw a commitment to mediocrity. Ooh, the that's, a, that's a Fergie burn. Okay. That's a Fergie burn. Until we, uh, before we start uh, dissing more stars. First um, of many of the Fergie burns. <laughs> so as you guys know, there is a second one and a third one. So this film only adapts the first half of the original book. The second half of the book was then used as a rough, rough basis for the second film. Neverending Story 2, the next chapter. It was a rough basis? Yeah, so I don't know how accurate, you know, it is on the book. Gotcha. So the third film, The Never-Ending Story 3, Escape from Fantasia, uh, features an original plot not based on the book. So the original guy I mentioned, Michael End, the writer of the original German kids book, um, felt that this adaption's content deviated so far from the spirit of his book that he requested the production either be halted or the film's title be changed. And when the producers did neither, he sued them and subsequently lost the case. <gasps> he lost the case? He sure did. Andy because called... he already gave them rights, right? Yeah, exactly. He'd already given the rights and everything, but now that he doesn't like it, basically, he wants to change everything. He called the film a gigantic melodrama of Kish Kermish... Ka- oh, I'm sorry. There's Is a lot of... German? Kish Commerce Plush oh. and Plastic. The third oh, one? Really? No, just the original one. He just did That's not like I'm how saying. they portrayed it. Per- oh. Portrayed it. Sorry. Whoa. Yeah, makes oh, wait, me kind of sad, right? About here? Who didn't like it? No, the I'm, original. Yeah, I'm glad he lost the case. The original writer of the German book. Oh. It was then translated into English and then made into a film. And he didn't like. He here's did not here's like my biggest book. thing. I mean, this movie. When though. you're making, we we talked about this a little bit with the Grinch. Mm-hmm. When you have a property and you know it's good, and especially if it's in book and it's being turned into a film, there's there's gonna be changes made. You're gonna have to let some things go. So. In this case, yes, I'm a little upset that the movie that he that was created out of his book wasn't up to his standards, but the movie itself was good for what it was, and if it at its essence it to- still told the story, then I'm with it. I liked the I liked the movie. I like Never Ending Story. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, this movie was amazing. It was a magical journey. 
That's what I I'm signed up for. I'm lost that lawsuit. If you give someone rights to do something and they make something and you don't like it, that's tough luck, bro. Yeah. It's I'm tough sorry. luck. But, like, obviously this is probably on the lower end of that scale where they probably, you know, cushed up a little bit. Maybe the dragon wasn't supposed to be so fluffy. Maybe some things weren't supposed to be so kid-friendly. But yeah, I mean, it definitely can they... be way worse. I've seen things, like, you know, adaptations where it's, like, nothing like the original. Right. They obviously tried really hard to do whatever they were doing. So, exactly. I don't know. I, I think know he needs to give them the more book, credit. I don't know if this is what the book feels like or entails or anything like that. But this story felt good and complete. So I mean, I can't yeah. read German, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> but one day we might read it just to see the, what's all the hullabaloo about. The hullabaloo. I know that I would be pissy, too. Like, I'd be really mad if I made something and someone made yeah, something. But like, and the I'm thing like, no, is that's that, not what I want. Like, he basically gave them the rights. Yeah. Exactly. So like you exactly. can't expect to like keep everything 100 when it's no longer in your control. Like it's just And it's not like it it, it it sounds like he just basically signed them over the rights. Like it you are the creator. You have the control to be like, "Okay, you can have the rights, but I have the last creative say on everything." Yeah. And yeah. if he would have put that into the contract at the beginning, he wouldn't have had the problem that he had at the end. Yep. And not that I agree with him or anything, but it, it is nice it w- it's nice to think about what his movie would look like in an alternate universe if he made the movie himself. Like, what would be the difference? Is it more adult? It would be bad. Is it more, you know, less magical, less depressing? You know, it would I be wonder bad. what exactly he didn't like about it. There's a reason why people write books and not movies, and there's a reason why people write movies and not books. It would be bad, like 100. percent Ouch. All right. So, um, in 2009, Warner Bros. And Leonardo DiCaprio's film studio, Appy and Way. Vinci, I'm sorry. No, it's not that old. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo DiCaprio's film studio, Appian Way, uh, were in the early stages of creating another adaptation of N's book. They intended to examine the more nuanced details of the book rather than remake the original film by Peterson. And in 2011, the producer in charge of said remake, Kathleen Kennedy, said that the problem securing the rights to the story may mean a second adaption is not meant to be. Girl, yes. Kathleen, Kennedy Kathleen goddamn Kennedy. She needs to get out. I'm sorry, <laughs> but like, what's I up with Kathy like Kennedy? She's she's the president of Lucasfilm, and yeah. she's like stressing oh. everyone out. And she was the producer of the remake that was trying to happen in 2011, but wasn't able. That's to since been canceled. Canceled. Like, I yep. have nothing against her, but it's caused like so much controversy, like in the past, like. When did Force Awakens come out? 2015? 24? Yeah, 2015. Yep. Like, like it hasn't, like, it's been five years, and, and, and so much has, so much negativity has, like, what's the word? Flowed, like, around mm-hmm. her, like, this, like, negative aura cloud, and <laughs> look at this, now we're hearing that shit wasn't able to get done because she was in charge. Yep. But, um, what, what was her, what, what was, what is the issue we're having with her, though? Um, it like, said that Force Awakens? the producer in, oh, in Force Awakens, that's a whole different story. I believe it was, like, all the, um, it's not, like, necessarily, like, all the creative control that she had, but there was a lot of things that she had, like, the say in, mm-hmm. and certain things just weren't able to get done because, you know, she gets, like, a very big say in some in stuff. Yeah, I can't remember specific, specific things. Yeah, I know there right were now, a lot of things that were like blocked. Where like Kathleen Kennedy was like, "No, we we can't do at that." At some point, we'll bring it to light. But just in the grand scale of themes, when you think about Marvel and like their very successful franchise, have been going over a long time. It's because Kevin Feige is pre-planning all the you know the storyboard 
the whole right. uh, large scale yeah. picture, the macro. And you that's know, something that they don't, right. that Kathleen Kennedy, I feel like can't Does, grasp. It hasn't been doing as much. You know, she like can't do that. Yeah, you, you don't have a story plan yeah. for all three exactly. movies in a like, trilogy. Like it's fine if you have different directors and different tones yeah. between them, but you don't know what's going to happen in the third movie when you're making your first one. Exactly. How are you setting anything oh, yeah. up? Or like like the 100%. slightest idea. Just to like, just to make the movies, just to know that they're going to be made or that we need to push them out by a certain date. Like, that's the problem. Yeah. Like, we need to like put I know, more passion I, into it. I personally know how stressful it is wanting to keep a string of continuity through, you know, how everything that you're making. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also the difference between something that is obviously quality and th- and it's set, it feels thought out than something that's like oh well we got a new director new writer new story mm-hmm. like yeah and now we're just gonna react to the last mm-hmm. film and try to like make it match yeah if Kathleen can't, Kennedy can't figure this shit out we should remake this movie because I know we would do it justice honey this movie is like <laughs> it's it has so much potential like yeah. I'm not gonna lie like watching it I was just like okay the story itself didn't pull me in too much. Mm-hmm. But the idea of it and, mm-hmm. and you know... The world building is exactly. so intricate. Like, it's yeah. like it could so be, detailed. If made like today, it could be like oh, so beautiful. Like so I have good. like these images just in my mind right now. Yeah. And Not to despair like the movie's holding up though. Because it did do a really good job. That's Everything true. was so so well made that even today I'm looking at it like, okay, it, it still looks good. It's obviously old, but it looks good. Yeah, like everything matches. It's not like, oh, this monster doesn't match with the rest of the world. Exactly. Like maybe right. the puppets look a little bit funny when they talk, but like they yeah. all make a cohesive world together. Exactly. Our main character, Bastian Balthasar Bucks. I don't know when they mentioned his middle name or last name. It's funny because when he when the dad first said Bastian, I was like, did I miss something? Is it Sebastian? Did he just <laughs> calls him Bastian? But I guess he's just Sebastian. Just Bastian. So he played... I didn't even know his name until the Empress says it at the end. Yeah, I think the they dad said, said it like once. once. The dad said it once yeah. and that's it. We're on our own. But he was played by Barrett Oliver. The only other thing that he's known for is Cocoon and Cocoon: The Return. Oh, I don't think any of us have seen that. Isn't that even in the sequel of the Neverending Story? No, I'm sorry. He gets replaced. (gasps) Yeah, replaced. His ass gets replaced in the second one. I'm so sorry, guys. Did he ask for too much money? I don't know what the story is about that. (laughs) Oh no, I do know. Actually, it was because when they made the next movie, I think it was like five to ten years later, and the kid they grew up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they had to get wow. someone new. That's crazy. Um, Atreyu was name? played by... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, What's that kid's name? His name was Barrett Oliver. Barry Oliver. What else is he in? Barrett Oliver was only in Cocoon and Cocoon the Return. He <laughs> oh, didn't really do... Two? Yeah, he didn't do much after that. He was... Uh, okay. I'm assuming he was a kid in that one too because I think he was just like a kid actor and retired at some point. Cocoon keeps coming up on this podcast. It does, yeah. It came up in like the first episode. Something somebody reported. The last episode, or... I think. Or no, two episodes ago. Oh no, yeah, the first episode. No, it was the last episode. So Atreyu was played by Noah Hathaway. No relation to Anne Hathaway because that's the first uh, thing I thought I of. I wondered. Yep. I asked... You asked in your mind's eye, and I answered before you can. No, uh, I asked at the beginning of the commentary. If he was related, it's so crazy. I feel like yeah, Dan Hathaway, a more like kind of like well-known last name, and you just don't even think about it, and then you find out people are related. Like Melissa McCarthy and Jenny McCarthy, they're related. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're related. Um, Emma Roberts and Julia Roberts are related. I was surprised at that one. The Bryce Dallas Howard things surprised me as well. John Cusack and Joan Cusack, obviously. Q-Sacks. Q-Sacks. Yeah. I don't know. It's just very interesting, especially when you don't know. Yeah, you said the Ron Howard? Yeah, Ron Howard and Bryce Dallas Howard. Yep. Yeah. Go 
Alright, Atreyu was played by Noah Hathaway. The only thing he did afterwards was Battlestar Galactica. So I bet if you're a fan of that, you're like, oh, he was the little boy from there. That's all he did afterwards. So Noah Hathaway was hurt twice during this movie. While while learning to ride a horse, his horse threw him off and then stepped on him. Yeet. Oh my god. I know. That hurts. Come on, Artax. Is it the same was it the same horse that that he almost drowned cuz that's yes. probably why. Yes, it was. Um that's why. So while shooting the drowning sequence in the Swamp of Sadness, his leg got caught on the elevator and he was pulled underwater. He was unconscious by the time that they brought him to the surface. <gasps> oh my god, dude. Yes, so I'm assuming they had like a platform for him to stand on. And it was slowly fell. like lower oh. in there and then, you know, like it would look like he's standing but sinking. And then his leg got wow. caught, so when he's supposed mm-hmm. to start to float up, he's like getting dragged down underneath. Wow! Yeah, his dude I almost hope died. They paid him like bang for this movie, because <laughs> I know, right? He almost died twice. I know, bro. What the fuck? He was actually gifted the horse eight tracks at the end of the movie. Oh, because of that, probably. I'd yeah. take that horse too. Yeah, because now if it belongs to him, you know, no one like he can't sue anybody. It's his horse. <laughs> He didn't end oh, up so taking... you're mad that your own horse bucked you? Wow, bro. You're fucking dramatic. <laughs> yeah, right. Now you can't my horse at first? So, Noah Hathaway won Best Performance by a Young Actor. And uh, oh! nowadays... He did really good. Like, that was like... Yeah, congrats. Yeah. I mean, he's well-deserved. The acting congrats. really carried this movie. Yeah. Like, every, mm-hmm. like, there was a lot of slow points, but, like, it, it really carried it. Like, I'm glad he wasn't, like, a boring... Um, protagonist and he had a great scream like when he was screaming those lines they were very believable and that's like yeah. usually where child actors don't do so well when they're trying to be mad or yeah. scared that's usually when they're like not giving the correct motion yeah. you know shouting scaredly when you're supposed to be angry yeah. or anything like that especially if, he was like, really good to, like match up a face to like an actual like voice or something like a, like in a scene yeah like not a lot of kids can do that he actually looked like terrified and, and scared when he needed to be I don't want to jump too into it, but Jake Lloyd as Anakin Skywalker in The Phantom Menace, that child, that's the perfect example of a horrible child actor. Yeah, he would say his lines with the wrong emotion sometimes. Yeah, that, that's It's funny. like, it's it's so, it's hard for kids to have passion, and this kid um, that did Atreyu had passion, and Jake Lloyd literally had none. And I don't want to put it all on Jake Lloyd, because I know... Um, George Lucas was like, you know, give me, give me less emotion. But um, <laughs> at the to same be time, it was pretty much. I yeah. mean, he was pretty much like the same as Hayden Christensen as older Anakin. That's kind of like the same kind of like vibe. Yeah. You get. So that's why exactly, it works. Yeah. So at least it kind of carries over. Yeah, it yeah. works. It works in the dryness. But again, like, is that? Uh, but like, come on, dude. Yeah, is that entertaining <sighs> to watch? Am I having fun like, while watching him deliver his lines as dry yippee! as possible? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good like, one. Adele made fun of it when she watched it yesterday. It's so funny. I'm just like, who says that? It's working. It's working. Yeah. It's working. Like oh no facial God. expression, just screaming. Jesus Christ. No, but I love him. I love him. Um, <laughs> Little yeah. Annie. So, uh, both Barrett Oliver and Noah Hathaway, Bastion and Treyu, were nominated for the Young Artist Award for Best Young Actor in a Motion Picture in 19... I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, 1985. But they mm. lost... To who? They okay. lost to Anthony Michael Hall from Sixteen Candles. Oh, yeah, see that movie. Yeah, I've never seen that movie either. Go, Anthony Molly Michael Ringwald. Hall. I think that's Molly Ringwald. Sure. She's like, oh, she's the girl in that movie. I think so. I've never seen the movie. I think so. Yeah, no, it has to be her. I just think of my mom because she's a red hair. And the dorky guy, I think his name is Egg or Duck or something. Mm. 
The dorky guy from Sixteen Candles? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it. I know that Disney remade it with um, Debbie Ryan. Did they really? Yeah. What the fuck? Why did they do that? Well, I was thinking of the Sixteenth Year. That's Thirteenth Year. Oh, the Thirteenth Year. Okay, that's the Mermaid (laughs) movie. That movie used to make me sick. You know, Kristen Stewart makes like the smallest cameo in that movie. She's like, they're like in a water fountain. He's like drinking all this water, and she's like in line. Uh, Yeah, fun fact. Wow. So Falcor was played by Alan Oppenheimer. He was the voice, and he was a scientist in Number Nine, the movie with all the little rag dolls. Oh, like the one human scientist, the one that made them and like Mm -hmm. gave his life for them. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he only has speaking lines in that movie. Well, it's an animated movie, so everybody's just speaking, but. He was also Skeletor in He-Man in the old series. He was Prometheus in God of War 2, the video games. He was Whoa. Mr. Blodgett in Gilmore Girls, I guess. I don't know who Mr. Blodgett is. We watched a lot of Gilmore Wars. Girls. And, the no. I don't know. And lots of other cameos on random animated shows and video games like Fallout. He was a bunch of like... He's a voice actor. Miscellaneous. He's a very big voice That's actor. Cool. Tammy Stronix is the um, empress, the childlike empress. Apparently, in the movie, she's as old as stories have been told. So she's not really a child. So she's she, actually, hmm. like, super Earl, old. She's old. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. She's old. She's infinite time. She's, like, with the start of time and the end of time. That she one. She is time. She is time. She's old as time. She is the story. Um, She didn't do anything after this. That was, like, her one big movie. Wow. Not even the sequel. She didn't even do this. She Not even barely the did this. She, she, she was. <laughs> she literally. She did was the in twenty minutes. Of this movie. Not even twenty minutes. She was giving me some yeah, good she, face though. She no, was she screaming was, she at was Noah. Great, but she was great. Like for the when she looked at the seconds. camera and started crying, I felt very uncomfortable.